Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. This is now episode 342. I'm joined here with Riv, Drew, and Dells. And we're going to react to NFL Week 18. I mean, we saw a lot of great things. We saw the, the Dolphins melt down. <laughs> Brought a smile on my face. Uh, we saw Jordan Love Masterclass. Another smile on my face. The Jaguars, uh, I ain't really care too much about them. They missing the playoffs, but how you fellas doing on this nice Sunday night? How y'all doing, man? How y'all? How you doing? How I'm the wild. It's my first time in a while. I haven't seen Drew in any Miami gear, no Denver gear. He is. This is like wearing the NFL hat. He's like, I got no agendas to push up here today. I got my Under Armour sweatshirt on. I'm I got my two K generics on. Nah, he, he I might have to take a little something. That's all. I might have to take a little something today. <laughs> no, today is definitely going to be a, an interesting show. Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, uh, nothing to complain about. You know, sports are sports, but we're here. Uh, we're going to have a good conversation and uh, definitely not looking forward uh, to certain conversations. But you know what? Think, it is what it is. I think we should start the show with our start uh, comment we got here. Super chat. I feel Sandra. fucking yeah, amazing. I think, I think that's how we should start it. Hold we on, hold on. Let's ask Riv. Here. How about we ask how Riv's doing? Because Riv never gave how he was doing. You know, Drew, thank you. Thank you very much. At this I, point, I just I accept it. Like, I don't give a fuck about Riv. You're, you're, I get it. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're who you are. No, I'm great, man. I feel great. I had a great uh, Sunday locked in. And I'm just excited for the playoffs, man. I'm excited to get in tune. Twin is in there. Josh is in there. You know, I'm excited, man. Now, before we, we get into these star comments, I, I beg you, Dells, to lower i mean heighten your mic volume or speak into the microphone how it's supposed to be spoken into wow he could talk to you like that i didn't know that no because i think his mic is different his mic you don't speak into the mic like this you speak into the mic like from an angle so hold it up straight yes hello 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 you gotta raise it up a little bit my my brother is it just me or i'm i'm right to call this out Mm, i still hear him fine I also hear him fine. Maybe my headphones are a little messed up. How's everybody doing in the chat? How's everybody doing? We got 191 live viewers right now. That's what's up. That's what's up. Just to let you guys know, next week when the playoffs are here, we are going to be doing these live podcasts at night as well. While Dells figures out his uh, mic situation, I think this is a good time to just tell everybody that we got prize picks going on, and this is ruining the image of everybody. So I'm sorry. Let me do this solo right here. Uh, we got we got prize picks going on right now. 100% deposit match up to $100 when you use code PAS. And it's it's very simple to use. Just go to prize picks, download the app. Based on player stats, you can go more or less. You can pick entries up to six, minimum of two. And that's how Prospects works. Prospects is a proud sponsor of the Pick Aside podcast. We've been using it since the start of December. And I got to say, you know, it's, it's been kind to us, except for our last entry that we did as a group. None of us fade aside on it. It's back. Fade aside we're, is we're back. Fade aside, man. If you would have faded <laughs> us, you would have 100% locked up. <laughs> Mr. Dallas, can I hear your lovely voice? Hello, hello, hello. Okay, I think it sounds better. So right. let's go to the start comment. Alex Viveros goes, I said in September the Texans were a dark horse playoff team, and people thought I was crazy. I was so confident I even put a little bet that they would win more than six and a half games, and the Texans made me look like a freaking genius. For Shout sure. out to Alex. Man. W, six and a half is so free. 
It, it was, was free, but I'll tell you what, my my Charles was one of those that was telling me, yo, Texans, I like them a lot, six and a half. That seems easy. And I said, well, what's the difference? They still have a rookie quarterback. You know, they still got pieces to 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 still be put in place. They told me shut the hell up. Told me to lock in. Damian Delgado goes, Riv, what's your NBA comp? Um George Hill. No, I don't shoot. Um, uh, I feel like my man called John Morant, man. I ain't, I ain't going cap here. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, what you what you think, Drew? You you've seen me play. I'm I'm, I'm really I'm I'm funny. I'm, I, it's funny you said. I'm thinking because you really can't shoot. It's streaky. It's streaky. You could shoot, but it's streaky. When you're off, you're off. But when you're on, you could hit. Your defense is solid. I feel like I will call you Lonzo because you also shoot like Lonzo, and you're looking to pass. So I'm going to call you Lonzo Ball. That's not disrespect. I like that a lot. That's an all-around point guard. I like that, man. For sure. Ricky sent three super chats. We're going to read all three. The Mavs just beat the number one seed in the West. Luka and Kyrie combined for 69 points on a top three defensive team. I'm not the one to respect them, Ricky. I I ain't the one disrespecting them. I'll give them their respect. I've always respected Luka. I've always respected Kyrie. I just try to keep accountability is all. That's all I can do. (laughs) Ricky also went, I'm not going to lie, Boncaro is going to be great soon. Is his ceiling Jason Tatum, or who would you say? The ceiling let's, is top five for sure. Okay. I like that. I think it's, I think it's top five. Maybe. I feel like than, great soon. Know. He's already great. He's, he's already great a great basketball player. Uh, is his ceiling Jason Tatum? I feel like that's tough. I don't know if their their play styles are, are that similar to where we could say he's Jason Tatum. Maybe feel like his placement in the league of standings. Like Jason Tatum's fringe five. Maybe not this season, but, you know, there's been conversations where he's been French five. What do you think, Dallas? Uh, I don't know. It's different play styles. Like, Paulo has so much more on-ball responsibility than Tatum does. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to compare their play styles. But, like, I agree with Drew. Like, they could both be top five type guys. So I'm, I'm in line there. Ricky goes, my favorite show on earth, my boy Rivio, how do you feel about Drew being a rider? Um... Is there like a deeper meaning to the joke? Uh, a, a way deeper meaning. Okay. Um, I guess he's a, he's a good one. You know, he, he knows how to plan himself correctly. You know, he knows how to thrust in, thrust out. He knows how to go fast, oh, go Lord. slow. Knows how okay. to pick it up, slam it down. You know, he's very good at what he does. Josh Botang goes, Eagles, Jaguars, and Dolphins downfall. We are there with a 100 emoji. He means business. Fuck you, Josh. We saw one of those coming. The other two. Shout out to the Eagles, Dolphins for taking Eagles away. Fell off. Shout out to the Dolphins for taking away the headline of the Eagles getting their ass kicked by Tyrod Taylor. Oh, God. And, he, had th- he had like 300 yards. It was really bad. And Santos got us with our pickums. So, Mr. Owen 5, 171 wins. Mr. Flip Aside, 165 wins. Mr. I Have 13 NBA Teams, 159. Mr. Dick Rider, 158. <laughs> Bring me my How title, they- man. Yo, hey, listen, oh, man. Call man. me, call me most improved, man. Call me most improved player of the year. Come back, I'm the only the one that could catch up to Dallas at this point in the playoffs, and even then, I don't know if I can catch up to Dallas. Yeah, he's pretty ahead. Fuck, six, six wins is crazy. I don't Those know when it became. Game. I don't know when it became standard practice to disrespect my name, but it has been apparently. <laughs> it recently, is just fuck Drew. I take that. Seems listen, that way. Drew, I, I love you. I really do love you. Love you too, King. Uh, we do got to start off the show with what just happened, what we just witnessed. 
Uh, the Bills beat the Dolphins. I want to get the score correct. 21 to 14. What the hell happened? I mean, what the hell happened? I mean, for one, I just want to say that I've been telling you this is going to happen for weeks. I just want to get that that out, out in the air, out into the universe, that I spoke this into existence. Sometimes manifesting does indeed work. It does. Well, what the hell happened? I mean, this was the game that the Bills just handed to the Dolphins on a platter. Josh Allen interception in the red zone. Josh Allen had another interception. Josh Allen had a fumble in the red zone. Those were six points the Bills could have had that were taken away. Before the first half, awful clock management. The Bills could have got a field goal, but Josh Allen throws it in the field to play. The clock runs out, and they don't get a field goal out. That's nine field goals the Bills could have got on the board. Nine points, or three field goals, nine points. And then Josh Allen in the first half also missed a wide-open touchdown to Stephon Diggs, and that, that, that left points on the board as well. In a game where so many points were left on the board, the Dolphins got to capitalize. I know that you might bring up injuries. The injuries are unfortunate to their best edge rushers. But in a game that the Bills were so willingly giving up, I mean, they were begging the Dolphins to win this football game. They collapsed. They choked. They melted down. And I'm sorry, buddy, but the first guy we got to look at is Mr. Tua. Because Mr. Tua threw an interception the first the first drive of the game, you said it's the best thing that could have happened to the Dolphins. It's the best thing. The Bills, well. I, should I say Josh Allen, he doubled what Tua did passing the football, more than double what he did passing the football. Despite Josh Allen's three reckless turnovers, he was still far better than, than Tua in this game, and it was clearly tears. I, I just want to ask you. I think two of them were definitely reckless. The, the I interceptions, knew. yeah. I don't know. The fumble was just a great play, though. That, the that fumble, was, yeah, he's a, he's a bad man. He's a you bad say man. It, a it's a great play. And, and then, of course, Tua, with the game on the line, you, you need to get a touchdown. He throws an interception. I mean, the passes were all over the place. I couldn't tell by, by tonight that he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL like you have proclaimed him to be. I could not tell. I did not see it anywhere tonight. Um, They melted down, man. Percentage, and uh, it, do you still think Tua's elite? That's my first question to you. <laughs> um, He wasn't elite tonight, unfortunately. Uh. I'll still believe in my guy saying that he is elite, but he wasn't elite tonight. Uh, we needed a couple of plays that I definitely would have looked for for Tua to make, especially that one where he's staring down, of all people, a guy who has four catches on the season, Mr. Chase Claypool. That's tough. When I was watching it, I thought that he was looking at Braxton Berrios because he was the only player on the field at the time that I trusted Tua to throw the ball to that could actually do something, believe it or not, uh, because that was the play that they had to take Tyree Kill out of the game because he seemed a little bit hobbled after the play before. And so he goes and he stares down Claypool, it seems. Obviously, the, the safety makes a nice play on it. Interception obviously seals the deal for the Buffalo Bills. Congratulations to them. Uh, but the big-time players got to make plays. Of course, Tua has to make plays. Uh, that first half interception wasn't great to start the game. But again, I think that he bounced back in that first half well. Led two scoring drives, had a touchdown uh, right before the half started. Defense in the first half for the Miami Dolphins was pretty fucking awesome. Made some timely plays. Uh, Jerome Baker getting him back inserted into the lineup was a huge boost for them. Second half, it's a tale of two halves in the National Football League. I say this repeated, repeatedly. Buffalo Bills wanted it a little bit. After that punt return, it just seemed like momentum was all on the Buffalo Bills side. And then on top of it, Dolphins defense gassed out. 
Josh Allen was able to execute on multiple plays with his legs. More importantly, I mean, the guy is a superhero. He had himself an unbelievable football game. When you needed a play, Josh Allen was there to, to, to save the day for the Buffalo Bills. But then on fourth and one, the Dolphins find a way to stop the, the tush push. I'm thinking, hey, you have a chance now. This is your window. But it, it, it's tough when, again, Tua's not making plays. And then, of course, if I'm going to be the only one that mentions it, Tyreek Hill needs to make plays. Tyreek Hill is the proclaimed MVP of the Miami Dolphins. Today, when you needed Tyreek down the stretch, he could not make grabs for you. The one over the middle, let's say two over the middle, the one that ended up being pass interference, and I think that that bailed him out because he still should catch that, even while being interfered with fair. He still should catch the ball. He's Tyreek Hill. He's the best receiver in the game, and like Riv's going to say when he speaks, he's not the best receiver in the game because he has Jettas, and that's fair because Jettas is awesome. But at the same time, you need to be able to make some primetime plays because Tyreek Hill has failed to do that on top of also my guy Tua Tungavailoa. The two of them have come up short, and it's a quarterback league, and that's fair. They get all the praise. They get all the blame, so I'm fine with it. That interception to end the game was definitely a rough one. I would have liked to see it end any other way. Truthfully, any other way. But at the same time, uh, hats off to the Buffalo Bills. I mean, Josh Allen played himself a hell of a ball game. I got to give credit to the Miami defense also. Although in the second half, they ran out of steam. They played significantly better than what I was anticipating. So at the same time, you need your big players to make big plays. They failed to do so. They failed to run the ball effectively in the second half. Over 100 yards rushing in the first half. Ran the ball three times, if I'm not mistaken, in the second half. They were complete. They completely shied away from it. Even on early downs, first, second downs, they were passing the ball when a Shane was doing whatever he wanted on that football field. So for him to, to be used as a decoy was definitely irresponsible on McDaniel's part. But it's the three headed horse that gets you to this spot where you can finish as a two seed. And it's the three headed horse that if they don't show up, they put you right back to the six seed where now we're headed to Kansas City on the road. And it's a tougher situation for the playoffs. Uh, definitely not an ideal situation for the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I'm still going to ride my guy. I think he's elite, but he came up short today. And uh, you got to be better, especially when you're going up against great teams like the Bills. And, of course, I've come in Kansas City. Three-headed horse. It, it feels like two of them horses is going, and the other one kind of got his leg shot and can't keep up with the other horses. It, All Riven, I'm asking, just keep the same energy that you would keep for Tua with Tyreek. I got you, bro. Number one in the league in passing yards. Number one in the league in completion. Too easy on Tua right now? Um, What more do you want me to say? I said that he needs to be better. Wasn't elite today. Come on. I I just – um, listen, man. Shout out to the Buffalo Bills going 5-0, you know, going into Miami and, um, you know, getting that win. I I thought just watching the game, you know, I thought – and I, and I said this before this game, I felt like the Buffalo Bills defense was peaking at the right time. You know, they was causing a shit ton of turnovers. They was being get, getting pressure on the quarterbacks. This game was no different. You know, I thought they played a fantastic game. It was able to, you know, not like you, you try to neutralize Tyreek as much as you can. I thought they did a good job. He wasn't as impactful as you wanted him to be. You know, I thought they was able to get to Tua. You know, the run game was hurting them a little bit for sure in the first half, but I guess Miami just stopped going to it. But for the most part, causing those turnovers, I thought uh, Buffalo's defense was playing well. Offensively, in my opinion, like from when I was watching the game, outside the turnovers, I thought Josh was playing well. I thought he was able to move the ball. He was able to hit Kincaid, hit Knox, you know, hit Shakir. He able Him and Diggs, Diggs was able to get a connection. I thought Diggs 
all night was owning Jalen Ramsey. You know, you didn't say nothing about that. I thought Diggs was owning Jalen Ramsey. He just didn't get the ball enough. But um, for the Dolphins, like on the other side, I I just think Tua deserves blame. I do think Tua deserves blame, but I think Tyreek also deserves blame. I think Mike McDaniels deserves blame. I think Tua, he could have been better. You know, there was a lot of pressure in his face. He he did overthrow some balls. He did ha didn't have enough touch on some of the passes he thrown. And of course, he threw two interceptions, of course. You know, so you got to look at him. But I thought Tyreek, this is like another game where he is like he he's the best receiver in the world, MVP of the team, and he did not show that. You know, he had a couple drops. He wasn't as impactful as you want him to be. And, you know, VBS, I'm going to give him credit because he tweeted this out. Like, it feels like all year Tyreek, Tua, McDaniels hasn't had a, a game where all three of them have showed up at the same time against a top team. Like, it feels like that hasn't happened. I feel like one of them show up or two of them show up. And I feel like in the biggest moment, of the season, probably the biggest moment of your career because Tua was injured for that playoff game. So this is probably the biggest moment of your career in the NFL for the division. You're in home, you're at home. Mike McDaniels, he shies away from the run game. Uh Tyreek drops some passes and Tua, you know, didn't put the money on some of those accurate passes he liked to do. So I wasn't impressed, but at the end of the day, like I rolled with Buffalo for one reason and one reason only. They had the best player on the field. They had the best player on the field coming in. They had the best player on the field all season. Like Josh Allen, he played good. You know, he was great on his legs. He made some timely throws. That defense was peaking at the right time. And you're looking at a Buffalo team that's 5-0 going into the playoffs. They get home field advantage in the first game. They have the Steelers. Like, this is a team that's peaking at the right time. And for Miami, it's going to be tough going into Kansas City. You know, it's going to be tough. Hopefully, they get a little bit more healthy. Waddle plays that game. You know, like, hopefully, they can get him back. But going in my going into Kansas City, which they rarely lose at home, is a tough game. It's, it's an extremely tough game. But like Drew mentioned, I saw some positives from the Dolphins' defense. I did see some positives. And I, I, I'm not going to give them too much blame because this was a tough game nonetheless. But they should have won this game. Well, go, Joel. I know you've been you've been over there itching to talk. You know, because I think we're being way too easy on the quarterback that people are expecting this team to pay fifty million dollars per year. Ultimately, if you're calling what? him, if you're an elite franchise quarterback, you should get paid that type of money. So, Drew has been up here telling me that two is an elite quarterback, and I've been telling him since he said that that that's not true because we can clearly see gaps. When he played against Lamar, we saw a gap in who the better player was. Even in a bad game from Josh Allen, it wasn't even a bad game. Like Riff said, you're right. But even in a turnover-prone game from Josh Allen, it was clear who the better player was and who the better quarterback was. Ultimately, the machine is going to look worse when the operator of the machine is not playing well. When like he that. when he's ruining the stitching on the on the assembly line, then the clothes are going to come out fucked up. And that's what happened with the Dolphins. In the first half, they ran the ball well because at first the Bills were defending the pass. They were more worried about Tyree Kill. That first drive when Tua threw an interception, if you watch back the wide angle of it, was that not an egregious underthrow? Was that not a walk-in touchdown if Tua puts it where it's supposed to be on Tyree Kill? Tyree Kill was getting open. Tyree Kill played great this game. Tua kept missing him. He kept underthrowing him. He kept throwing balls that were inaccurate. Talking about the first you can, drive. You can, blame, you can blame that one pass on Tyreek Hill when he dropped the ball. Fine. 
that's all nice and dandy. But there were far more Tua bad passes than there were bad routes or bad drops from Tyreek Hill. That just is what it is. In the second half, the Bills honed in on stopping a run. That's why they stopped it because they said, we don't believe y'all could beat us with the pass. We don't believe it. And they dared them and they couldn't beat them. Isn't it a coincidence that in all these important must-win games, Tua doesn't play that well, and people that are defendants of Tua are always pointing to it's Tyreek Hill, it's Mike McDaniel. How many times did we say it was Tyreek Hill's fault when he played with Patrick Mahomes? How many times did we say that? We ain't say that because Mahomes always made sure to get it done. I remember when the Chiefs lost to the Eagles, Drew, you came up here and you said that Mahomes should throw a better ball to MVS that was right in the bucket. And you ain't talk about MVS at all. You just talked about Mahomes. But now that Tua play bad, it's we got to look at McDaniel. We got to look at Tyree Kill. We got to look at everybody else. They, they all deserve blame. Now, who deserves the most blame? It's Tua. Tua deserves the most blame. Let's get that, get, get that out the way. He deserves the most blame. He deserves the most blame because Tua has melted down since he's coming to the league as a rookie. In 2020, I've already broke down this scenario. This is why I told you the Dolphins will melt down. In 2020, week eight, week 17, must win a game. They lose to the Bills. 2021, in the rain, lose to the Titans. 2022, toughest stretch in December. Tua doesn't play well. And now 2023, with the AFC East all but clinched for the Dolphins, you blow it against the Titans. You're getting embarrassed by the Ravens. And in a game that was handed to you on a platter, I mean, I could have went out to Miami and ate that plate myself. The Dolphins crumble. I mean, this is it is what the Dolphins are. And if Tua is being treated like Joe Burrow, like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson, let's stop pointing the fingers at everybody else when he was clearly the worst player on the field for the Dolphins offense tonight. Damn. Uh, Joel, I know you've been waiting to get that out for a while. You cooked. Uh, (laughs) This was uh, this is a tough game. You know, the Dolphins. I feel like they have such high highs and such low lows as an offense. I feel like a team that can be this elite that, you know, has the quarterback, as Drew mentioned, lean the league in passing yards and completion percentage. They have a receiver lean the league in receiving yards. They have these moments where they look excellent, right? And a majority of the time they do look excellent, but they have these moments. And typically it's not for full games. Typically it is for halves or for quarters or for stretches where the offense feels really broken. That Chiefs games comes to mind earlier in the year where it felt like down the stretch, you guys kind of fell apart, especially throwing the interception late. Um, that Raiders game, even though you won 20 to 17, it felt like a struggle to move the ball. Uh, the Titans game, of course, those last two or three minutes. And then this game here in the second half where punt, uh, punt, 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 turnover. I mean, it, it's a really tough way to go out. And you guys were doing such a great job running the ball in the first half. A-Chan looked phenomenal. When Jeff Wilson was getting touches, he was doing good. This was that without Raheem Mostert, who I think we're expecting to be back in this Chiefs game as well. Even these backups step in and play phenomenal. Um, but I really do think you you missed out on having Jalen Waddle. You know, I, I, I do have to blame Tua some, but just to paint the whole picture, not having Raheem and not having Waddle does make a big difference. And one of my biggest questions coming into this game was, all right, Tua, like you have another situation where you could prove yourself, stamp yourself as the 40 to $50 million quarterback. You're doing out without two of your top guys, right? We've seen this in this game, Gabe Davis, however you feel about him, one of their premier weapons, he went down. Um, Josh Allen be able to step up. Did not see that from Tua this time around. No Jalen Wald, no Raheem Mostert. These are the moments at home. Got to have a week 18 that I want to see your star quarterback, your franchise quarterback show up in. He does have another opportunity next week against Kansas City. It's going to be zero degrees in Kansas City where they play. I think it was a Saturday night game, Sunday night game. Going to be a cold game. 
uh, Tua showed last year, being able to go up in Buffalo and put up a pretty good game, scoring 28 points um, against the Bills. But this was really tough to watch in the second half. You know, that first half, I felt pretty strong about the Dolphins being able to, to really pull away from this one. It felt like they had everything in control. And then right when the Bills got that punt return touchdown, it felt like everything went to shit. It felt like all of the momentum they built, all, all of really like the morale from this whole season that they had kind of fell flat. And it was just a 14 to 14 game. You were going to get the ball back the next drive, three plays, one yard. You punt the ball in a minute and a half. Then after that, it's Bills touchdown 21 14. The rest is history. They had another moment too at the end of this game, as Drew mentioned, where they stopped the tush push. Josh Allen was inches away from being able to get that first down. Game would have been over. Tua wouldn't even had a chance to go down and score a potential game winning touchdown. The Dolphins defense makes a stop with all the injuries they have. They give two of that extra chance, makes a couple plays, moves down the field around the 40-yard line. That interception to Chase Claypool is terrible. I mean, I tweeted it out. It felt like before the ball was even hiked, Tua said, this is where I'm throwing the ball. Doesn't matter the coverage. Doesn't matter what the defense shows me pre or post snap. This is where the ball is going to go. Because he hiked the ball. He looked to the left. Chase Claypool was not open. Plus, there was a safety over the top. He still threw it. Wasn't able to get there. Easy interception for Taylor Rapp, and that's the end of the game. That throw at the end, you could talk about the Tyreek drops. Um, you know, you could talk about Mike McDaniel maybe having a sketchy play calling down the stretch, but that kind of sums up this whole game. You know, Tua in that situation cannot predetermine a read before the snap. You're going to get taken advantage of. So they have a chance to go up against a Kansas City team that has been struggling, but how it feels right now with Kansas City basically resting all these starters. You have Miami kind of hobbling into Kansas City on the road in a tough environment. Kansas City obviously has insane home field advantage. That's one of the best crowds in the NFL. Right now, I'm leading the Chiefs in that game, um, and I didn't think I'd be saying that two or three weeks ago. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game because running the ball kind of plays to the Dolphins' advantage. If the Chiefs can run the ball better, that will play to their advantage as well. I don't even really trust the Bills. I'll be honest with you. I don't I don't trust the Dolphins. I don't trust the Bills. The the Bills, I don't really think they played that great of a game offensively tonight. When Josh Allen's clicking and rolling, I mean he's he's amazing. You trust the it, Chiefs? Their defense, I trust in the playoffs because Steve Spagnola has been a part of multiple playoff runs where his defenses have kicked up in that time of the year, one being with the Giants against the undefeated Patriots, and then with the Chiefs. Last year, they kicked up. So I trust Steve Spagnuolo, and they have the personnel there to, to shut offensive teams down. I'm just I'm just a little bit caught up on, on the first half INT for the idea saying that Tyreek Hill played amazing. Because uh, I had to go back just to make sure I wasn't. I like that was a one-on-one play. It was. No, 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 actually, because there's a safety over the top. And then, of course, there is a corner playing defense on Tyreek, who actually is pretty hip to hip with Tyreek. And then on top of it, you do have the safety over the top. Uh, I definitely wouldn't say that it was a good decision. That's what I would say more than anything. It was a bad decision trying to force a Tyreek. I wouldn't say it was a walk-in. I wouldn't say Tyreek had this insane separation. Uh, I definitely would not say Tyreek Hill had a great game. Uh, again, I'm here saying Tua did not have a good game. I asked him to be elite in this moment. I still believe that he can be. He was not tonight. No way around it. Didn't blame any injuries. I said, hey, credit to the defense that has been in these games, in these specific games, has been atrocious 
tonight, it at least showed up. It, it gave Miami a chance. And then, obviously, they weren't able to do anything with the opportunity that they gave them. Uh, I definitely think that Tua needed to be better. For sure, no way around it. But let's not pretend that he was the only one that needed to step up. That's all I say. Football is an 11-on-11 sport. It's not just going to be one guy that got to step up. Everybody got to step up. You're the loudest when it comes to two. Let me, let me ask you something. Let me ask everybody, everybody on the panel right now. Do you think in your right mind that on a goal ball, on a goal route, Christian Benford is staying hip-to-hip with Tyreek Hill? He shouldn't. Why, the, why the hell is he hip to hip? Because Tua has, because Tyreek has to slow down to the ball because the ball was under fucking thrown. See, that's, that's why just, he's hip that's to just hip. your way of trying to manipulate it. So no, that that's right. why he's hip to hip on a on a regular broadcast angle of it. When they showed the pick, you're not going to see it fully. But then later it. when they I watch it as we speak. Benford but later when they reversed it, that when they they showed a different angle of it, they showed kind of like the end zone view of it. Yes. Tyreek Hill had a, a step on him, bro. It, he's Tyreek Hill's only going to be hip to hip with somebody if the ball is underthrown. It's Tyreek Hill. This was a great play by the corner, a bad decision by Tua. That's what I'll say more than anything. It's yes, not a bad so throw. I, I think it was a bad decision more than it was a bad throw. But was it a bad throw or just a bad decision? Both, honestly. If Reek has to slow down, it's a bad throw. I wouldn't even, it was very minimal. Super and the, minimal, and, the, and, the and then play, there's a safety over the top too. The play, not the over, play, but in the vicinity at least. The, the play in the fourth, where I think Reek got hit out, where Reek got hurt, that was a bad throw too, because he had a, he had a corner in front of him and a safety right behind him. Complete the safety, damn near almost took Reek head off. That, that was a dangerous throw. Two too. was throwing hospital balls. Yeah, there was some dangerous he was throwing hospital people. balls out there. You don't got I, nobody else though, so I get it. But some of them throws listen, was a little dangerous. I, I understand that guys got to step up, but ultimately. The NFL is all about the quarterback position. If you don't have a quarterback that can elevate in situations, you're going to lose games against elite teams. And the Dolphins have showed that they cannot win against elite teams because they don't have the quarterback that elevates in those situations. I'll say this also. He was trying to spread the wealth. He was throwing the ball to Cedric Wilson, whether I liked it or not. Whether I liked it or not, he was trying his hardest. In the biggest moment of the game, Tyreek Hill wasn't on the field, and he decided to throw to Chase Claypool. You got to play with what you have. These are two guys that are not elite separators by any means. It was pissing me off. Seeing Tua consistently try and throw at Cedric, he was trying his best. Obviously, did not did not bode well for the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tungavailoa. But you got, again, you got to play with what you got. It is what it is. That's the National Football League. You guys are right. Everyone's playing with injuries. It sucks that they lost this one, but they're on to Kansas City. The good news was is a little underthrown. It was underthrown. I'm not crazy, Dells. I'm I'm reading. I'm looking back the play. Like if Tua could get the ball towards the end zone by the five yard line, Tyree could probably walk in. But that's a throw that only a handful of quarterbacks can make. Like you have to elite get a, you quarterbacks, Dells. Mm. I mean, it's a tough throw to make. You're throwing it's literally, here, here's, here's, here's love makes that throw, baby. Basically like a maybe 70, basically like a 70 yard throw in the air. It's kind of what you need. 70 yards? How, how many quarterbacks? Mahomes? That's Allen? what I'm saying. Like, it's it's like four or like five three. quarterbacks realistically maybe. can make yeah. that throw. Yeah, if that. I'm not crazy for saying it was over. It was underthrown, Dells. I'm not. Yeah, I it mean, was a, it was a Ty- terrible. Tyreek does have to come back for the ball, but two is throwing it from the 35. It ends up on the opposing. 20 yard line. So that's what coming back for the ball. He's just turning throw. his chest. I'm really, that's like I'm a 50 watching, yard he's throw. turning, he's turning his chest. 
That might not just be into a, a toolbox. There's nothing wrong with that. Not everybody can make Tua that throw. Not everybody can make that throw. It's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing it's wrong. It's a tough throw. I'm not Tua saying has like, made a lot Tua of deep throws. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going like Tua hasn't. You just probably couldn't make that throw. It's not wrong. You know, maybe just in the situations against like great teams, he don't make those throws. That's really what it is. Against Damn. the Panthers, he probably makes that throw. I saw some good throws by him today, too, unfortunately. <laughs> he made some good throws. The, the, he hos- the really hospital nice ball throws. that you're mentioning to Tyreek, he should have caught. The hospital ball that you're talking about, he should have caught. Yeah, I know or who made middle. that catch, right? He's also taller. So it's it's probably it's like this catch as opposed to no, I'm saying that's Jettis. He's he's amazing. Uh, now but at um, the same time, that's that hospital ball should be caught. Listen, a good thing for you, Drew, is that the Dolphins do got a chance to go into Kansas City and beat them. A team that you've been very vocal and disrespecting. So if the Dolphins lose, it's going to be even worse, my friend, because you were disrespecting the Chiefs. No, as but, but I'll say this. One you know, score game. It is a good thing that they're still in the playoffs, so the season's not over yet. And, and I do want to give you your flowers for something that you did say early in the season. Um, You said the Jaguars were not good, and the Jaguars today – missed the playoffs because they lost to the Titans. So I just want you to break down how the hell did the Jaguars collapse down the stretch of the season? It was a combination of multiple things. The defense kind of fell apart. One in five down the stretch of the season when at one point in time you had a 96% chance of making the playoffs. This is Colts level bad when Carson Wentz Missed the playoffs. That's how how bad this one is. It was written in the stars for them to make the playoffs, win the division. They did everything. Po- no, by far. This is by far worse, Riv, because <laughs> on top of it, you're supposed to have the talent there. You brought in Calvin Ridley to make this boost. You brought in Ezra Cleveland because you needed some offensive line help. Yes, you lost Christian Kirk. That was a bad loss for them because obviously you understand what he means to the intermediate game for the 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 Jacksonville Jaguars, but on the defensive side of the ball, I never was a fan. Their bread and butter was their rush defense. Today, that was non-existent, but their secondary was always a liability. Now, they made a, a play that today to, to put the Jaguars in position, and this is what I say. It's a combination of things. Trevor Lawrence, for the big moment, he crumbled. How is it possible that you have the opportunity to not just go out there and score a touchdown. You overthrow it slightly to Calvin Ridley, who it does hit him in the hands. It does slightly. It hits his fingertips. It's up to interpretation. If you think that Calvin Ridley should have caught it, I'm not going to argue too much with you. But at the same time, you have opportunities after that to move the ball down the field, at least get a first down. And Trevor Lawrence falls short. Last week, doesn't get the chance to play because of a shoulder injury. Obviously, I think he was gutting through some injuries. He played through the high ankle sprain or ankle sprain. Not sure if it was a high for the idea that he did play without missing time. And then he is playing with a shoulder injury on top of it. I just think that his decision-making was questionable today. Uh, two INTs. This isn't something that we see Trevor Trevor really do, just make bad decisions. Saw a couple of them today. Saw some miscues. And the defense was always fraudulent. Tennessee Titans, who have struggled to score points all season. Tennessee Titans defense, who struggled to turn the ball over, I believe, before this game. They had four INTs all year, which was the fewest in the National Football League. They go and they get two today. They match half of their season total in this one game alone. 
the Jaguars need to come back next season and they need to, to figure out an identity because ETN was great in the beginning of the season. He was not as nearly as effective down the stretch, although had a, had a, had an all right game today and last week for sure. But at the receiving core, Calvin Ridley, a little bit too inconsistent in a first year back of missing two years. That's impressive in and of itself. But there needs to be some consistency on the offensive side. But the fact that Zay Jones, you missed Zay Jones for multiple weeks, and this impacted your game plan as significantly as it did is insane to me because Zay Jones is a good football player. He's not game-changing to the point where it changes how we look at your offense. So you need to come this offseason, make a move. T. Higgins is available. Throw some money his way. Make a big splash. Get a primetime receiver to work with Trevor Lawrence. He's the future. You need to figure out a way to make it work with him because right now the idea that you choked as badly as you did and blew the division, it's inexcusable. There was expectations to be had with you. You simply fell short. Joel, before you go, I got a question because – you know, you've been very, um, very loud and adamant about how Hertz is a one-year wonder, and how he's, you know, he's had one great year. So let me ask you a question: Who's who? Who's a bigger one-year wonder to you, Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts? I mean, as of now, it's Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Jalen Hurts had a better season than Trevor Lawrence, I think, pretty comfortably. Um, I'm really surprised the Jaguars missed the playoffs. And looking back at like the 2021 quarterback draft class. Trey Lance is the third stringer for the Cowboys. Mac Jones is all but done in New England. Justin Fields is about to be on his next team. Zach Wilson is an all-time bust. And Trevor Lawrence, as much as I love the talent that he possesses, he's not a surefire thing. If he has another subpar year next season, he could very well be playing for a one-year dealer just for the the right to get his fifth-year option extended. You know, Trevor Lawrence this year has had a major turnover problem. He's made a lot of big-time throws, but the turnovers are are bad. They do. Uh, They have an interesting decision with Calvin Ridley, too, because if they extend him, that draft pick that they gave to Atlanta turns into a second-round pick. So not only are you have to consider the money you give Calvin Ridley, but it's also like you're going to have to move up a round or two in the draft. Because I think it turns into turns into like a third based on incentives. I'm not sure what those incentives are, but a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. As Drew mentioned on paper for your first season back, that feels like good numbers. But from a week to week basis with Calvin Ridley, it felt like a really disappointing season. The amount of drops he had, um, just really not being involved in the offense in some games too, where he he's barely getting looks. And he has some games where he gets 14 targets and he turns it, turns it into like three catches for 30 yards. So a bit of an up and down season for Calvin Ridley and really this Jaguars team as a whole. But of course you want to make the playoffs, but I do think losing the playoffs could have in a weird way a positive effect because you need to make a lot of changes to this team. Drew mentioned how bad the defense was offensively. They were 28th in pass block win rate, 27th in run block. Um, Trevor Lawrence down the stretch since week 14. Drew mentioned that one in five stretch, right? But since week 14, which is, I guess, the last four games, um, 23rd EPA per play, 31st in rush success rate. ETM the first half of the year was one of the best running backs in the NFL. Second half, he wasn't that guy. They drafted Tank Bigsby in the third round to kind of be that thunder and lightning type approach. Tank Bigsby wasn't really getting work. He was he was kind of, uh, his job was, was taken over at, at the second half of the season as well. Um, and then beyond just the EPA and success rate, he, Trevor Lawrence has 12 turnovers in his last four games. A 6.8 turnover worthy play rate since week 13 is the third highest in the league. The others are Nick Mullins and Taylor Heineke, who haven't even really been full-time starters in that same stretch. Terrible and the offense isn't producing. 
Seven points against the Ravens, 12 points against the Bucks, even 20 points against this Titans defense. You said it, Drew. This Titans defense has not been good this season. And the fact that you're only able to put 20 points, which is better than 7-12 and 12 against the Ravens and Bucks, still feels like there was more out there that you'd be able to get. And then defensively, it's already not a great defense. They do have some great pass rushers. Josh Allen had a great season. I thought Trayvon Walker had an improved season from his rookie year. But the defense isn't good as is. And now you're turning the ball over this much on offense. It's going to make it even more difficult for your defense. They allowed 34 points to Jake Browning, 31 points to Joe Flacco, 23 against the Ravens is probably their most impressive game, 30 against Tampa Bay, and then 28 against Ryan Tannehill and the Titans today. Uh, Derrick Henry also had an insane game that might be his last game in a Titans uniform, NFL uniform. Um, but overall, this Jaguars team on both sides of the ball, offensively, they were turning the ball over way too much. They weren't able to run the ball successfully, especially in the back half of the year. Trevor Lawrence was turning the ball over too much, and then it makes the defense look even worse as is. So the good news is I still have faith in, in Trevor Lawrence. I have faith in Doug Peterson. If you have head coach and quarterback right, you could figure out a lot across the rest of uh, the rest of the positions that you do need. But wide receiver is a big one because, as I mentioned, the Calvin Ridley kind of uh, tweak in that uh, that deal they made with Atlanta. There's wide receivers on the market. I think getting uh, another running back to complement ETN wouldn't hurt as well. Have to re-sign Evan Ingram, too, who I believe is on a franchise tag. Just had a great season. They have some good weapons, but it feels like they need at least one elite weapon to kind of maybe help Trevor Lawrence get through some of these struggles he's, he's had uh, this season. Let me ask you a question. I ask all you guys. If you have the choice of extending Calvin Ridley or paying up a little bit more and paying for a T Higgins, what's the decision? T. I'm extending Higgins. Calvin Ridley. Uh, I don't, I don't think that they need to go out and make a blockbuster move to go sign T Higgins because receiver is not their biggest problem on the offense. Ridley, you're right. A thousand yards receiving, you know, it's very wishy-washy because, you know, some of those numbers were very inconsistent or came inconsistently, but their offensive line is the biggest problem. Luke Fortner, their center, ranks 45th among 45 centers with 100 pass blockings or 100 um, snaps where he's blocking. He's one of the worst starting centers in football, one of the worst centers, period, even amongst backups. And if you saw that quarterback sneak play on fourth and one, when they snapped the ball, he was four yards behind the line of scrimmage when the play ended. He got sent back a ton, and it's a big reason why they didn't convert fourth and one. That could have put them potentially to tie the game. Um, Brandon Scherf, who's an all-right right guard, he ranks 28th out of 101 guards. Ezra Cleveland's 35th out of 101 guards. Cam Robinson is 56 out of 105 tackles. And Anton Harrison, a rookie, 78th out of 105 tackles. So I think pretty clearly they need to rebuild this offensive line. Even if they rebuild the offensive line and keep Kirk and Ingram and they don't choose to bring back Calvin Ridley, I'd be fine with it because I think that's the biggest need. T. Higgins is a great player, but his play style is, is jump ball. Like he's a 50-50 guy. He's not much of somebody that's going to win with his route running on a, on a down-to-down basis. And I don't know if that is what you need in this offense right now. You know... It's interesting because we we last offseason we talked about the Jaguars, you know, potentially running this division and being the cream of the crop after basically coming back from 27 down or whatever it was in the playoffs. And to, to look at it now in hindsight, 17 to 18 weeks later and watching Houston be real comfortable with their quarterback position and, you know, have money and have draft picks. And then we look at the Colts who just almost made the playoffs with Gardner Minshew and AR coming back next year. 
I think the the Jaguars are looking at a situation where like it's like they don't have the best situation out of all three of those uh, teams. They don't. You know, you mentioned it, Joel. Their offensive line is one of the worst in the league. And I remember in the beginning of the year, they were kind of having that Denver Broncos way of winning where they were forcing a shit ton of turnovers, you know, and they was creating the impact on the defensive end. But this offense has been up and down all year, you know. And, and you know, the Titans game, one of those interceptions wasn't his fault. It was an Evan Ingram drop. You know, Absolutely. like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame it solely on, but a couple of them. And yes, I understand he's injured, but everybody's banged up at this point of the season. He had some, you know, bad throws, some bad balls, and this this team as a unit, you know, defensively on both sides of the ball, they can't seem to get it right. Offensively, you mentioned it, Ridley week to week. I mean, I remember I was in a Discord arguing with somebody Ridley versus C.D. Lamb before Week One started. Shit is embarrassing how much That's it crazy. got to, up to this point. But, uh, yeah, week to week really hasn't been good. Kirk has been their most promising, promising receiver, most reliable receiver. Evan, Evan Ingram is good. You know, he's been good for them. They need a revamp, and this offseason is going to be big for them. I don't know, like, because that offensive line is so bad. I don't know if they're going to be able to build it up in one offseason. Like, from one through five, they just don't have a good, cohesive offensive line. And it messes up because T-Law, he can get hurt. You know, he's been banged up all year. You know, now he has to force passes in the places he doesn't need to. You know, it makes him think think and react quicker. It's just not a good position. Then you mentioned it. ETM was one of the best running backs in the first half. But when that offensive line is not good, eventually he's going to wear down. Teams are going to figure him out. And then at that point, ETN started to fall off a cliff. So this team just from top to bottom just, you know, they were 8-3 and three at one point. And now they're, what, 9-8, and 9-7? and seven, They lost the division. So I don't know how they're going to be able to figure this out because, like I mentioned, you got the Texans. They just won a division. C.J. Stroud's their quarterback. They got a lot of guys on rookie deals, a young team. And then you got the Colts. They may not have won the division, but they got AR coming back next year. They're young. They got some stars. You know, they have a bright future. So you got two teams potentially that could just completely jump ship you next year, which they already did this year. And you might not make enough moves to even compete on that level. So the Jaguars got a lot to figure out this offseason. You know, I'm looking see at Trevor it. Lawrence healthy too. Yeah, That's yeah, one thing true. I want to add. Just I would like to see Trevor Lawrence healthy. Um, because it felt like all season long he was dealing with something, whether it's the ankle, shoulder, he had a knee injury too. Like throughout it felt like 10 weeks this year, he was always dealing with something. And of course, he didn't miss a ton of games. Uh, he missed what one game in total was it that Panthers game where they ended up winning by 20. Mm -hmm. Um, he played through it all, right? And I think we saw last season the second half, like Trevor Lawrence has the, the capability to play like a top seven, eight quarterback in the league. Um, so I don't want to just to write it off all as like he's not that good anymore, right? Because at the end of last season, it felt like Trevor Lawrence has arrived. Like this is the year I know we were talking preseason saying, at least I was saying too, that if the Jags go on a run, right? The, it's a, We were expecting, I guess, a week uh, AFC South, like Trevor Lawrence could be MVP conversation. The Jags could be number one AFC type team. We weren't predicting that, but we're saying like the top end, this is what it looks like because the Trevor Lawrence has shown that ability. Doug Peterson's a Super Bowl winning coach. Um, and they had the schedule and kind of just the way the rest of the division laid out with a lot of quarterbacks and first time head coaches that this is a possibility. So a super underwhelming season, um, but don't want to completely lose that. When Trevor Lawrence was healthy last year, he was phenomenal. He was healthy at some parts this season, didn't look that great, but I do want to see what a full off season, him getting a hundred percent. Um, and of course, working on the things that he struggled with this year. I was looking to see how somehow, some way this offseason they could figure out the offensive line issue. Obviously, easy answer, draft. Figure it out in the draft. Draft the lineman to, to help you out. 
But in the free agency market, unless you're you're going to make a desperation play, you mentioned how bad the Jaguar center has been playing. Connor Williams is a free agent, but he's also dealing with a season-ending injury of his own that could hold him to miss some time also. Are you going to overpay, similarly how you did to a Christian Kirk, to get him there for whenever he's ready to go so that you have your, your answer at center? He is relatively young, hasn't turned 27. He still has his time in the National Football League. But there's really not too many great options on the free agency market if you are the Jacksonville Jaguars. I feel like... That is your one extreme option. That's also given the idea if Miami doesn't give him a, a extension also, but they were in discussions already. He had to sit out earlier in camps this season. And he obviously ended up coming to, 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 to arrive back to, to the league, but he didn't get paid. He got injured. I don't know if that leaves a sour taste in his mouth that he's going to be able to leave. So I, I do worry about the, the, future for the Jacksonville Jaguars because without an offensive line it becomes difficult and we know that Trevor Lawrence is mobile but now you're putting him in position to deal with situations like he did this season where now every week you're worried about the health of Trevor Lawrence and this is supposed to be the future of the of of our franchise but we're putting him in harm's way similarly how the Colts did to Andrew Luck you're and and right now it's not even anywhere near that Trevor Lawrence has shown you to be as good as Andrew Luck was but it's the same principle you have your franchise cornerstone piece you need to do what's necessary to keep him out of harm's way the way the Chiefs did with Mahomes the way that the Chargers tried to with Herbert until their their guys ended up getting injured themselves uh Joe Burrow they've tried to but obviously that's also not coming to fruition also but at least make the concerted effort of trying to protect your franchise because without it you guys are screwed I wouldn't go get Connor Williams but I think that anybody's an upgrade over Luke Fortner I think they can sign somebody on a one-year deal that's better than him and Connor they can even Williams, draft somebody that's better than him Connor so, Williams was awesome for the Dolphins last year and this year until he got injured teams that splurge on free agency they usually jump in wins and then the next year they regress that happened with the Patriots in 2021 when they signed Matt Judon and uh, all these receivers and you know they got they beefed up the roster they made the playoffs in 2021. It, they were a wild card exit. The Jaguars did that after Trevor Lawrence's rookie season when they got Christian Kirk. And I'm forgetting they, they signed Fadakazi from the Jets. They signed Brandon Scherf. So they splurged. So now they don't really have much money to operate. And you guys are talking about Calvin Ridley. I think the bigger money hit is going to be Josh Allen because he's a free agent and he is one of the best edge rushers in the league. So you're probably going to make the decision of, paying Josh Allen, letting Ridley walk to keep your second round pick, and they're going to have to draft well. And that's why where you what you said, Dells, this might be a good thing for Jacksonville because Trent Baalke doesn't know how to draft. His draft class outside of Anton Harrison, everybody virtually did not impact the team at all this year. So it's probably better that they bring in a new GM so that can scout better and draft better because this team is not going to be able to build up their team through free agency. They need a draft. And that, that's why even I wouldn't go out and get T Higgins because I don't know if they have the money to re-sign Josh Allen and then bring in T Higgins for 25 to 30 million. You think T Higgins is, is worth that or he's earned that? I think he's definitely worth 25 million or more. Okay. 
that'll be the market. At least. If, if, mm. if he deserves it or not, the market teams are going to be desperate for a wide receiver. T Higgins. Didn't Mike Williams just sign like a contract for 16 million a season? I'm not I sure if he, he did or didn't. I have Williams. to research that, but I mean, Christian Kirk, when he signed with the Jaguars was a big time deal. You, know? you said so, he's better was... than, you said he's better than, uh, Mike Williams. He deserves more than Mike Williams. Yeah. Who? T- yeah. T Higgins deserves more than Mike Williams. And he doesn't have the injury concern. Mike Williams, he had himself a solid three games this year until he got hurt, which sucks. But he played well. And last year, obviously, we know what was up. What's interesting, though, is that three years, 60 million for Mike. So 20 a year. 20 a year. Yeah. So I think T. Higgins at around 25 mil. If they don't resign Calvin Ridley, Ridley might go to another team, like a contender, and he can really help out an offense. You know, I'm thinking he can be a really good number two, I think. Like I think he can go somewhere and be a really good two, uh, but I don't know if he's a one. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Brother the Texans the this year, if we be honest. Uh respect. He drew the most defensive pass interference calls this year by a mile. I don't give a fuck. They couldn't the cover that man. Too. They couldn't what? They, could not, they couldn't cover him. That's why they Calvin were Ridley? interfering with him. Yeah. He drew the most DPIs this year. He was he's also dropped the ball a shit ton this year. <laughs> nah, he did. He had his negatives. He took a year off. He was gambling. Respect. Now, the Texans won the AFC South, and they beat the Colts. I feel really good about both these teams' future. Of course, the Texans got their franchise quarterback, their coach. D'Amico's going to be toe-to-toe with Stefanski and the coach of the year running. But their future, both these teams were where last year. Like, last year, we're looking at these teams as messes, and they both get their quarterbacks, and the Colts found their coach and quarterback, and – I'm really excited to see how Anthony Richardson looks healthy. The Texans with CJ Stroud, they're going to face the Browns in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know if I've seen a turnaround like this in a while. I I went back a couple years. The 2017 Rams, after Jared Goff was removed from uh, Jeff Fisher's coaching hell, the Rams made a big-time leap. The 2018 Chiefs with Mahomes, and nobody really saw that coming. The 2018 Bears with Trubisky when they traded for Khalil Mack. The 2019 Bills and Titans when they made the playoffs. The 2020 Browns. I had the 2021 Bengals there. And the 2022 Jaguars last year when they went on a run late in the season. Uh, I have to put the lines in what they've done recently as well. But I haven't seen a turnaround like this. I mean, defensive-minded head coach, rookie quarterback, making the playoffs in her first year. Uh, This is one of the more impressive turnarounds that I've seen in the last 10 years. I feel I like. I think. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Drew. It's fine. Okay, who's gonna go now? Me. All right, cool. I'll speak. Uh, I'll, what's happening here, Joel? <laughs> no, I'm just. Fucking I got it. Go ahead. I got go it. Ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I do think I look at the Jaguars' run from last season. That was the first one that popped up. Um, I know Trev wasn't in his rookie year, but year two, coming off the disastrous rookie season, do bring in Doug Peterson, who, of course, not rookie head coach, but of course, learning new offense, quarterback, all of that. But what what the Texans did, it just goes to show you. When you get the head coach right, when you get the quarterback right, it, just so much else could just fall into place so nicely, right? You get the quarterback and head coach right, all of a sudden, Nico Collins turns into this like bona fide number one receiver. Tank Dell was looking like one of the most electric rookies we had seen this season. Um, everything felt like it was just falling into place. Your offensive line decimated with injuries. The backups were playing well. It, it felt like whenever you could get that quarterback and head coach right, everything else just falls into place because last season, it felt like there was no hope with Davis Mills. They were bottom three in points scored, second fewest yards per game, second most turnovers, dead last in yards per play. 12 months later, this isn't this isn't including these week 18 stats from uh, from last night. 
but 14th now in points per game, 10th in yards per game, fewest turnovers, which I think has to be the, the biggest point here. Just C.J. Stroud's ability to protect the ball is something you don't see from rookie quarterbacks. Like, we could talk about yards and touchdowns and highlight plays, and he broke this record, this record, this record. The ability of C.J. Stroud to protect the ball is second to none for a rookie quarterback. I mean, that's usually the number one biggest mistake rookie and just young quarterbacks in general, second, third-year quarterbacks make is risky throws, not being able to evade pressure, take, make, fumbling the ball, throwing into double coverage. C.J. Stroud, it just it feels so natural to him, his ability to see where either the, the defense makes adjustments post-snap or pre-snap, being able to see what the defense wants to run and being able to react off of that. And I could just imagine if Tank Dell was healthy for this last month, six weeks of the season, what these numbers would look like. Because all of these like 10th in points or 10th in yards, 14th in points, 13 in yards per play, like these are probably all top 10 with Tank Dell because he showed that he might be the wide receiver one and not Nico Collins just as a rookie. And then defensively, I want to give them props too because we talk a lot about C.J. Stroud. But last season, this was one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, this year, they're about average, 12th, and 12th fewest points, 16th in yards. But the fact that they could pair that now with having a franchise quarterback who can make timely plays, who could hit Nico Collins for 75-yard touchdowns on their first possession, who can drop back 15 yards with three guys in their face in his face and be able to pick up first downs. Uh, yeah, the shit he could do is special, man. Um, <laughs> but it, it really, it really goes to show again, CJ Stroud is one of those guys that I was even a bit lower on coming into the NFL. I had Bryce as my quarterback one. I really did not think CJ Stroud. Number one, be this good, but the more impressive thing was that the weapons around him, the fact that he's able to elevate all of these guys, like if he was coming into a situation where he had bona fide number one superstar wide receiver and, you know, one of the best running backs in football and a proven head coach, offensive coordinator, they're all figuring this shit out together. All Over half of his games, he's had over 100 quarterback rating. Like almost every step of the way, he's passed with flying colors. And then last night, I feel like that 75-yard touchdown, Nico Collins, on that opening possession, kind of just all in one, what this season has been. Just something you're not expecting right out the gate. CJ Stroud, perfect ball. Nico Collins, breakout year, has over, what, 1,100 yards or whatever he ends up finishing with. It's a special year for Houston. 1,300, goddamn. Special year for Houston. First playoff berth since 2019. Um, It feels like a lifetime ago. Deshaun Watson was there, and he looked like the franchise quarterback. Now you guys see Jay Stroud, who end up might be, who probably will end up being better than him. This guy's just say something and not talk. I mean, my Drew, God, Drew wanted to go next. I was just excited that he said that. It's all right, God. Oh, okay. I just, you know, you wanted to go. You guys were having a little footsies about who the would order go first. of who is talking and who's not is all over the place. This episode, we got to come up with like the proper order: go the left to okay. right, right to you left. Just I Left feel down. Like we'll, we'll get the, we'll get the aura like back. You're going like this. You're going like this. Hands in the air. I'm just like, right. nah, because I'm just you know like when you just watch your twin brother just play well and you just watch him just be excellent. You know, it just creates a you know a warming heart, like a warming feeling inside. Like I feel great. You know, and you, you know you mentioned the offense, CJ, Tank, Nico Collins. They trying to figure it out. The addition of Dalton Schultz. You know, he's been great this year. Then you talk about the defense. You know, Blake. Jonathan Greenward, Will Anderson, Jimmy Ward, Jalen Stingley, like Stephen Nelson, like this, this defense isn't expensive and they're solid, you know, and I think on both, like this team, we counted them out for sure in the offseason. We didn't think CJ had come in and be this great. We didn't think they'd make this insane leap, but they go from week one 
they started off 0-2 to winning the division. You know, I think that's something that you got to be excited about. And C.J. Stroud was getting top 10 talks all season. You know, this is a team that's going to be around for a long, long time, and they're going to be a great team because, they, you know, they're young. They play together. And like you mentioned, C.J. never looks rushed. He never looks like he's panicking. He always looks poised. He always looks like he knows what's going on. He's he like Josh Allen's in the like, year six and seven. He still struggles with turnovers. And CJ Stroud looks like he's never struggled a day in his life with turnovers. He manages to keep the ball in his possession at all times. So, you know, shout out to the Texans and what they've done. Drafted well, brought in their quarterback. They got the coach. Ryan and CJ Stroud are going to be great for years to come. Best turnaround. I still would give that to the Jaguars. They had arguably the worst coaching situation in NFL history with Urban Meyer. Back-to-back years of the number one overall draft pick. And then they go and they win the division, and they win a playoff game. What the Houston Texans are doing this season has been nothing short of fantastic. They had a 4% chance to win the division at one point in time after they lost that game to the Jaguars in week either Week 12 or Week 13 it was almost a foregone conclusion. It was the Jacksonville Jaguars division to lose or to win, excuse me. And then for some for some way, somehow, the Texans were able to 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 get this get this done. Credit goes to CJ Stroud. Credit goes to D'Amico Ryan's absolutely. But I'd be remiss to, if I didn't at least acknowledge Nico Collins. If I didn't acknowledge Dalton Schultz, that was a great addition for them. Riv, you mentioned the defense. The secondary has been awesome. You mentioned Petrie. You mentioned Stingley. They've been balling out, no doubt about it. Uh, Sheldon Rankins has been great. The move that I give a lot of credit to them more than I have in the past, because I was vocal on this, I wasn't a huge fan of the move with Arizona to go and trade up to number three. Because I wasn't, I never anticipated the Houston Texans would be here today, your division champions, the year after being the number two overall draft pick or having the number two overall draft pick. I assumed that the Cardinals would be in a position today to get to get a great draft pick off of the Houston Texans. Little did I know that CJ Stroud in year one would be in top 10 conversations and D'Amico Ryans would be top two favorites to win coach of the year. Never in my right mind did I see that coming. And it's a testament to to these guys and just the team chemistry that they have going on right now. But Will Anderson, the move to make Will Anderson, to him to be arguably the most impactful defender in this rookie class, it is a testament to what is going on over there in Houston. The GM has made a lot of great decisions. I questioned that one. I definitely didn't feel like I was the only one that questioned it. Nevertheless, Will Anderson was a home run for them. They have their future really lined up with just their their recent first-round picks at the defensive positions, Will Anderson and Derek Stingley, who's an awesome young corner in this league. You got to love the future for the Houston Texans. Definitely a, a, a fun matchup between the Browns and the Texans, a matchup that we saw a little bit a few weeks ago, but that was, of course, without a C.J. Stroud. Now we get to see these two teams at full strength. It'll be an awesome matchup. But, of course, nothing but credit to the Houston Texans, who answered a lot of naysayers. This is just what happens when you get the quarterback right. And I've been waiting on the Jets to get the quarterback right for as long as I've been alive. It should have been us, man. It should have been us. You know, Robert Sala turned around our defense. You know, he did turn around our defense, but we didn't have the quarterback, so we weren't able to take that leap because we got everything outside of the quarterback. So it just speaks again that 
I wasn't too mad at the trade up because they drafted a position that's a value. If they sure. traded up and drafted a tight end or something, then it's like, oh yeah, that's terrible. But if it's an edge rusher and he's one of the better ones, then you feel really fine about that trade up. CJ has been amazing this year. He finishes the season with a 100 passer rating for the year. You know, he's in rare company among um, rookie quarterback seasons. There haven't been be much better than him. You can put him with Justin Herbert's rookie year, Andrew Luck's rookie year, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, RG3. That's the company that CJ Stroud has now put himself in. This Texans defense is just really good all around, though. I think their defense, I, I love the way that Riv rattled off a bunch of last name and first name combos. I, I was uh, very aware of who he was talking about. Green you're John, bringing that Greenard, up. You're, you're, once Jaylen. he said Jalen, I knew he was talking about Jalen Petrie. Couldn't he say his Stingley. last name. I knew he wasn't saying Jalen Stingley. I knew <laughs> no, where I your head was at. I couldn't say Jalen's last name. Didn't want to fuck it up. So I was just like, Jalen, I think I, I you know, ball, you know who I'm talking about. Nah, you once he said. Once he said Blake, I was like, that's got to be Blake Cashman. That's a New York Jet legend. So I knew all the, all the people he was talking about, and I like that he mentioned all those guys. The Browns match was going to be fun because it's kind of two teams, one that kind of tried to trade their way into contention and one that built their way to contention. The Texans have built this team through the draft, and the Browns went out and they traded for Deshaun Watson, who isn't even going to play in this matchup. And he, since he's gone to Cleveland, he hasn't been good for them. But – uh. You know, CJ has been amazing, and I want to acknowledge that. I do think that these receivers on a team, specifically Nico Collins, deserves a lot of respect because I know that people will point to his seasons without CJ and say CJ made him as a receiver. Reception Perception, which is a website run by Matt Harmon, he studies and analyzes wide receivers every snap and how they win versus man and zone. Nico Collins has been a darling of their website for a while on somebody who can break out, but previous coaching staffs have not used them correctly. So now with the Texans and under Bobby Slovak, he's been used correctly. And now we see him have a breakout year and it's not hard to see, you know, he runs Chris Sprouts. He's six, four, he's fast, he's physical. He's a very tough cover and he's going to be a matchup nightmare against those Browns corners. But uh, yeah, you know, of course we have to point to CJ being a major guy in this because he's a quarterback. He makes everything going. He has been jaw dropping, just watching him play and, the skill set he possesses, but I think these receivers deserve their respect, and specifically Nico. You know, Dalton with Dak was not a scrub either, and Tank Dell was having an amazing rookie year before he got hurt. Their future is really bright. So I'll ask the question: Who's rookie of the year? C.J. Stroud or Puka Nakua? I think I'd rather a gun because, to the head. Because they made the playoffs and they won the division, I would give it to C.J. Stroud. I think that provides a little bit more value. That's a little bit more important as opposed to, you know, Puka played great. He broke a record. Nobody's denying that. Matthew Stafford is probably a top 10 quarterback in the league this year. You know, the Rams defense is not terrible. They've definitely been playing good as of late. And offensively, you also still have Cooper Cup, which you have to respect on the other side. So with CJ plus in the AFC, I don't hate if you give it to Puka, but I would give it to CJ. This is tough for the idea that. It's the quarterback that always gets the love in the National Football League. And I understand that. If I'm not mistaken, even when Jettis had his unbelievable season, they still gave the award to Justin Herbert. So for, for that idea where Puka Nakua was historic, he broke the receptions record, he broke the yards record. This is one of the best 
Forget about that. This is the best rookie season a wide receiver has ever had. And even still, with that being said, I understand it's a quarterback award, and I would love to see Puka Nakua take home take home some hardware. But at the same time, C.J. Stroud, like Riff said, won his division in year one, was historic. If he doesn't miss those couple of games, probably breaks the record for most yards by your rookie. His touchdown to interception ratio, if I'm not mistaken, is still number one in the National Football League. What is there to say? He had a near-perfect rookie season. That's it. It's unfortunate where Puka was historic in his own right, but when you're the quarterback, you just get a little bit extra push. For a long time, I was going with C.J. Shroud in this conversation, but him getting injured and then before he got hurt, he played bad against the Jets. I'm going to go with Puka. C.J. had an excellent rookie year, but Puka had the best rookie wide receiver season in history. We saw Jamar do it two years ago, and Puka is number one in receptions for a rookie. He's number one in yards for a rookie. The only thing that's holding him back from the triple crown of rookie wide receivers is the touchdown passes, but he quite literally, you can put him up with any rookie wide receiver in NFL history, and his numbers are just as good, if not better than them. Where C.J. Stroud had a tremendous rookie year, I still think we can point to other rookie quarterback seasons that have been better. For example, Dak in 2016, uh, we've we seen rookie quarterbacks have better years. Puka just had the best one. So that's why I'm going to give it to Puka. It's so tough because neither of them were expected. CJ Stroud was draft number two overall. Maybe he was contention-wise, like odds on, but the success the team has had wasn't expected. Puka being a fifth-round pick, no, he, this guy wasn't on the radar. Like This was a guy like maybe he could make the team as like a wide receiver for his rookie season and work his way up. But the fact C.J. Stroud is getting the Houston Texans into the playoffs after the abysmal season they had last year where it felt like there was no hope, he turned around the franchise. Like, I don't think that's an overreaction to say. C.J. Stroud turned around the franchise for the Houston Texans. Puka Nakua elevated the franchise for the Los Angeles Rams. So for that reason, I would side with C.J. Stroud. The best receiver on his team. Keep trying to tell you, man. Puka, man. You know, um, we can't forget about the reason why the Texans are in this position in the first place. Case Keenum winning against the Titans when CJ was out. They what? came back in that game down 13 to zero and, and made a comeback. Mr. Case Keenum. Bronco so, legend. Yeah. So that's another reason why I probably Vikings saw the poop a little bit. I know. Case Vikings Keenum. Legend sure. Vikings legend as well. Um, This week in the NFL, I'm just going to talk about important injuries that happened that might affect the NFL playoffs, but this week in the NFL, or should I say tonight in the NFL, Arthur Smith was fired. He is no longer the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, the epitome of mediocrity. Since he became the head coach for the Falcons, in 2021, they went 7-10. and 10. In 2022, they went 7-10. and 10. In 2023, they went 7-10. and 10. He's That's had the same record for the last three years. What are your thoughts now that Arthur Smith is not the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons? Don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split you. That's all I have to say about that. I mean, it was weird. You And you went out sorry. And you went out it sorry. Did. Complaining, too, at the end of the game. Complaining to Dennis Allen that you're running up the score. Very strange. It was like a kneel formation. and they I, Weird. Um, I thought Arthur Smith was going to be a good head coach. What he was doing in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill with limited quarterback. They had, of course, A.J. Derrick Henry there. But I was expecting some pretty good things from this Atlanta offense, especially when they go three straight years. You draft Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson. 
and it felt like throughout most of the season, the offense couldn't get out of its own way. Now, to be fair, they probably didn't have a quarterback in place that could elevate this offense, but I thought Arthur Smith would be able to get more than what he got, three straight 7-10 and 10 records and a very winnable NFC South. Yeah, you know, the noise last year was, you know, Atlanta, when they, when they you know, Desmond Ritter played good in those last four or five games when he started last year. You know, then they get B. John, like you mentioned. They have Drake London. We're expecting that breakout. Kyle Pitts, we're also expecting that breakout. We expected Arthur Smith to put his top talent, his top young talent in positions to succeed. And at one point in the season, Tyler, Tyler, I don't know how to say his last name. Was just, yeah, he was getting more touches than B. John, which What's was his nuts. last name, Riv? Huh? What's his last name? I don't know. Not gonna say it. Not even gonna try it. Algier, Algier, Algier. No, it's Joel who always fucked it up. Joel yeah. would he would always say <laughs> Algier, 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 Algier. Okay, yeah. So Tyler Algier was getting more touches. He's actually on my fantasy teams that I don't uh, touch, but he was getting more touches than B. John. So yeah, at this point, Arthur, you got to go, bro. You got young talent. You're not putting them in positions to succeed. Like, Atlanta has a bright future. They just need a coach that can utilize – and a quarterback because their quarterbacks suck. But they they need a coach that can utilize their strengths and really turn them into a bright, great offense. Can Sam Laporta. I'm sorry. Uh, before you – I just last thing I'll say on the matter. I, believe it or not, think Arthur Smith is a good play caller. I think he had the unfortunate hand of not having the quarterback to deliver on his scheme. I think he obviously has the talent around him, and he, he definitely didn't utilize them to their maximum potential. Definitely the main reason why he's being fired. At the same time, Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke were his two options at the quarterback position. What is there for what is a man to do? He kind of rejuvenated Marcus Mariota last season to to the point where he started a good amount of games for them and they still were able to play winning football. And that's no slight to Marcus. It's just at this point, Marcus is not a starting level quarterback in the National Football League. This offseason, Atlanta is going to make it a priority to, to get that quarterback to really solidify that offense. And whoever's going to come in is going to get all the credit for it. And that's just how the, the the NFL goes sometimes. But I'm almost certain that Arthur Smith, if he were to have a good quarterback, would have done a lot more with this team. I'm not going to give him sympathy for picking the hand that no he way. was dealt. Uh, yes and no. He they decided to stick with Ritter. No, this season, fair. But Their at the same thinks. time, in the draft, you missed out on Bryce, CJ, AR. You weren't taking Will Levis at seven. You you took the the best available in your eyes, which was Bijan Robinson, who, who I still think is one of the best prospects. Running back don't prospect use him correctly. Agreed. Yeah, he had but a they also receiving hit... touchdown today. That little wheel. I wanted route. to punch that's the screen. Extra, that's I wanted to every punch the game screen. if they wanted. But at the same time, again, even the year before that, Mariota coming into the quarterback, what was really his other options? They were Could super limited. Un unless he went out there and, and was aggressive of bringing in Andy Dalton into the building, that's where I kind of was just like, ah, you kind of – it's a double-edged sword. I think he is just a play caller. I think he needs to be under somebody that holds him account accountable for dumb shit that he does. Fair point. Fair point. Um, so, like, in Atlanta, not using his star-level playmakers – you know, I think if he's another situation, if he's in another situation, 
Mike Vrabel shutting that shit down. He's saying, why the hell are you using Deion Lewis more than Derrick Henry? I, I don't think that's flying under somebody else. So I think he's somebody that just needs to be held accountable and probably just isn't fit for a leadership role, which he was given in Atlanta. We have some super chats here. Trishan Prashad says, Dells and Moran, are y'all happy about the Jets win? No. This is no. break. I did this was gonna be my this week in the NFL, though. The Jets uh three, they broke three streaks. 15 straight losses to the Pats, 12 straight at Gillette, 11 straight losses in divisional road games. Oh, you guys won. Didn't even pay attention. We did well nine to three. Was it was it the final? Oh no, we scored a touchdown. Bree scored. What was the final of that game? I don't remember. 17 to six, I believe. <laughs> 17 Listen, to six. Or 17 to three. This W was more of an L than it was a W. Yeah, we got the 10th pick instead of like eighth or seventh or something. Hate shit. that for you, brother. But thankfully, New England, New England's at three. That's that's all day. They don't got Thank a top God they're not pick. getting they're not getting May. Who they could get Daniels though? True H2O goes, What a damn choke job, Drew. Reek's homecoming will be ugly in our house. Chiefs going Ooh. back to back, and thank you, Joel, for respecting crazy. Mahomes and Reed with two hearts. He's Shout just, out to Trill, man. man. Shout out to Trill showing that love. Revenge game for Tyreek. I'm Those not hearing it. Well. He better show me. I'm, he better show them. <laughs> I'm so angry at him. I'm Josh so Boateng. Drew, what's your Eagles comp for the EPL? The closest I could get to is probably like Man United. But even still, like maybe Laser City. What the hell but is they EPL? They won the whole thing, the English Premier League. League. Soccer? Uh, yeah. Soccer. Uh. The, and Man United, a.k.a., they have the squad. They got hella heads. They they really did it right, but they couldn't win. I say Leicester, but the fact is Leicester, I, they won the Prem. So the, the Eagles. Uh, we've won, it, the, we've won the ball. We've won the Super Bowl for respect us. Okay. Respect us. Okay. I don't we hate won. that. All right, Leicester City's not the worst as of right now. Let's stick to Man U because they're a respectable <laughs> franchise. Asif Iqbal, Iqbal goes, try to tell everyone we are going 5-0. and Go Bills. There's another Shout super Buffalo. chat in here that is hilariously rude. Josh Botang goes, Riv, I love you. Eagles are on an absolute stinker. Stroud is nice, though. I can't lie. Hashtag yeah. blue. Not my finest moment. Uh, they're failing me hilariously bad frizz goes go two seed go bills drew the tribal queef is a fraud <laughs> that was the one tribal, tribal queef's a good one that was the one so you're not mad at uh, at tua drew you're just going to bed mad at tyreek no i'm not again i'm not just mad at tyreek i said it i don't know why you keep thinking i haven't said Tua wasn't good today he wasn't it, it just it just feels like Tyreek is catching the bulk of his criticism from you. It's because everyone props him up like he's the reason why the Miami Dolphins are so damn good, and he folded in the fourth. That's the only Have reason why I'm angry. Have you not propped up Tua as the reason that the Dolphins are so good? I'm, I'm like one of how many people that come up on a microphone and talk about Tua in a positive light. Emmanuel Acho. God bless him. So two? So that's two. That's, I found two. There's probably more that I'm not naming. But I found two I, right there. There's so far few in between. So at the same time, again, I'm just trying to keep same energy that you guys keep for Tua for the MVP of the Miami Dolphins or your guys' so-called MVP and Tyreek Hill. Somebody uh, called uh, CJ Stroud, Christ Jesus Stroud. I forgot <laughs> to read that shit earlier. I'm Vonnie V more. goes, Bills beat them worse if Josh stops the turnovers. 100%. That's a 20-point game. That's happening, yeah. It didn't really yeah, feel that. The second half was domination. Yeah. Yeah. 
If you have, have you all seen the stats for the games? Like, it's really bad. They dominated them. Yeah. Like, it hit almost 40 minutes of possession. And it felt like the Dolphins in that first half, like, were in control. So, Sean Courtney goes, what's up, y'all? Love the show. Who has the better chance of pulling off an upset next weekend? Love or Stroud? Riv, we need some more Riv Academy. Yeah. Spike, what happened to Saturday recording? I said next week. He did say oh. that. When? I'm going to go with J-Love. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be quiet here. No, uh, you know, Drew was trying to convince okay. me in the car about yesterday, but I and, said next week. All right, Riv, you're talking about it, so I'm going to out you. He said, yo, Drew, I'm going to hit you up on Saturday. That's not a yes. <laughs> That's all I said. That's not a not yes. A, hit up. Not a. I think, uh, beautiful I think Stroud. I think Stroud got a better chance. I do like that Packers-Cowboys matchup. Uh, the Packers, of course, have been super hot. They've been able to run the ball. Um, but I think Stroud has a better chance than Stroud Jordan is Love home. going into Dallas. So I'm, I'm yeah. gonna go. I think Stroud has a better chance of winning the Houston than uh, Love in Dallas. That's a tough game for for the Packers, but at the same time, I think it's a tough game for Houston. I give them more of a chance just for the idea that Joe Flacco is going to turn the ball over at some point in time, and CJ is so sound at taking care of the ball that I could see Houston pulling that one off. The reason I'm going with the Packers is because I do think they match up great against the Cowboys. We're going to talk about it a little later, well, next segment. Um, I think the Browns are an awful matchup for the Texans. I wish they would have drew somebody else. That's a really tough matchup. The last time we saw the Texans go up against a defense that good was against the Jets. And I know that Nico Collins and Tank Dell did not play in that game, but I can count on Denzel Ward doing a pretty great job on Nico Collins and that pass rush against that offense. Uh, one not pretty stat about the Texans offense this year is that they're 30th when pressured in EPA. So when CJ shot is under pressure, he has not played the same, and the Browns are going to bring a lot of it. So that matchup kind of scares me a little bit. I, I think the Browns are legit, and you know, in the playoffs, defenses are are tend to be what matter most. And I think the Browns have a Super Bowl level defense. Daniel Guerrero goes, if 15 loses wild card, does he get criticism or a pass? Who's 15? Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Oh, okay. Yes. What, what, I don't know. I think Drew should answer this because I feel what like you think Drew, it was DeMarcus Cousins, we're Riff? Drew, we're here. DeMarcus we're here. Cousins. He should Drew, get we, criticism, but he's the golden child. No, 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 Drew, Drew. If he loses, I'm with you. We're, we're going all the way with this shit because right. I'm sick of this. It, What's don't the worry, criticism? If, don't worry if Mahomes throws for 250, two touchdowns, but, two but uh hits a receiver in the hands and he drops it. Drew will find a way to criticize him more than he yes. has two of this. Well, he becomes the best quarterback, the second best. Like I just want to know where like we're gonna I criticize just, him and, and how what? many like, people <laughs> come up on 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 an on cameras and television, anything and say anything negative about Mahomes. Who? Who? <laughs> I, I think we both said he's it, played below his standard this year. You have to, or if not, you're not watching the game. I don't think there's much. If he loses, I'm not going to be like, oh shit. I just think I won't like, either. Gonna be right back I won't either. Here. I'm going to be happy like a pig and shit. I'll be honest, but I'm not going to. Uh, Dells, I'll drop him to the third best if he loses in the first round. Third, third yes. best is crazy. Josh and your boy, oh, oh, Lamar. Lamar. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll drop him to third for sure. I mean, listen, Mahomes' ranking year to year can change, but he's accomplished so much that. I think he's pretty solidified where he is right now. David Ornelas goes E A G L E S for Riff. 
I don't get it, but I understand. But I don't get Eagle it. Eagle with the skull. He's laughing uh, at you. He's a Niners fan, so he you know he can say whatever he wants. <laughs> so Josh Boateng did a, a really great gesture for you, Riv. Riv Academy topic: March Madness sleepers. Maybe. See, then he can't have me. Then he can't have me on talk about it. And he can't have you on. So, you saw the win we had. They just had a big we, win. We they won a uh, three uh, three ranked wins in the last. That was like, a big win at home too. That, that win, the def- that was that was a great win. Yeah, maybe I don't know. You know what needs to be five. You know what needs to be studied. How every time a team plays the, the Niners and they get their ass whipped, how they just fall off a fucking cliff. Because the Eagles and the Jaguars, ever since the ass whoopings, have not been the same. That's a fact. That's a good observation, Riv. Um, this is something that I've been waiting to talk about all show. And I've seen a lot of, of the chat was weighing for the Jay Love topic. Somebody even typed in, wake me up when the Jordan Love topic is here. They beat the Bears 17 to 9. I felt like the score wasn't an indication of how much the Packers kind of dominated this game. They were able to move up down, down the field offensively with ease. This is one of the hottest defenses in football. The Bears have been a top five defense since week 11. And Jordan Love put up a masterclass. He had 316 yards, two touchdowns, completed 85% of his passes. And, and you know, this for all the chat out there. This for all the chat. Because I, I know what all of y'all have all said. And I, I've seen you guys apologize. Drew and Dell's on the Fantasy Reaction Show. Apologize for anointing Jordan Love as the Blake Borders Award winner. You guys <laughs> had him as the breakout uh, player at quarterback. A lot of the chat now, I'm seeing... Very supportive of Jordan Love. So this is a test for you because not everybody is allowed entry in here. We're gatekeeping the J Love fandom for the real. I would. You have to tweet me a screenshot of a tweet of you saying you thought Jordan Love was going to be good before the start of the 2023 NFL season. At Joel V. Moran, tweet me a screenshot of you saying J Love was like that, and I will proudly accept you into the Jordan Love fan club. I don't think this season. Yes, I will be the president for this. You know, I I don't think this season could have gone any better for the Packers. During it, it might have felt a little bit like a roller coaster. They had a rough October stretch, and then they lost to the, the Giants and the Buccaneers. But sitting where we sit now, Jordan Love, 4,159 yards passing, 30 32 passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 96 passer rating. The only quarterbacks in NFL history to exceed these totals were Patrick Mahomes and Kurt Warner in their first season as a starting quarterback. Jordan Love had a historic year. And need I say that, you know, for everybody that saw my Zach Wilson's takes, because I was very high on Zach Wilson, I told everybody. I was going to redeem myself with Jordan Love. I was going to hit the Jordan Love spot on so good that the Zach Wilson take would be irrelevant. And Jordan Love has proved me right. There is not a quarterback that has done more with less this season than Jordan Love. Christian Watson has missed nine games this year. He's missed half the season. Aaron Jones missed a quarter of the season. David Bakhtiari, their best tackle, missed the entire season. For Jordan Love to put up these numbers and to get into the playoffs in a do-or-die, must-win situation, the same situation Aaron Rodgers was in last year and wasn't able to do it, Jordan Love did it this year, I think speaks volumes. 
Every Packers fan should be ecstatic because Jordan Love is the future. He's a legitimate franchise quarterback. And I, I shared my list with you guys the other the other night when we were about to do the show. He right now is 10 for me. And after this performance, you know, I'm looking forward to the playoffs. But Jordan Love every single week just continues to be better. And I think down the stretch of the season, 18 touchdowns to just one interception. He's played perfect down the stretch of the season and is the main reason why the Packers are in the playoffs. So this has been, uh, you know, the, the, this year for your Dallas Cowboys, there's been some ups, some downs, but lately has been there's been some more ups now, right? Big matchup here going up against the Green Bay Packers for you. On one hand, the Cowboys lose in the first round. I mean, it's going to be some some ugly, ugly conversations to have. There's already been multiple por- reports about Mike McCarthy. Talk highly about Jordan Love, but is he going to show up against the Dallas Cowboys? Are they going to win this game on the road? Jordan Love is going to show up. Uh, the Cowboys, last two home games, they are better in, in at home, but last two home games against Seattle, that was a shootout. And you can argue the Seahawks somewhere in that fourth quarter kind of got robbed with some calls that cost them down the stretch. Versus the Lions, the Cowboys came away winning that game, but it was very controversial. People probably think the Lions should have won. If Joe Barry plays to the defensive strengths, I think they have a real legit opportunity. This defense, when they're playing soft and zone coverage, they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They're fifth in EPA per play when they play straight man coverage, which means if you aren't sagging off on these receivers, your defense actually has a legit chance to shut shut out top offenses. I don't trust Joe Barry, but I trust this offense. The Packers run a lot of motion. I think that is one of the Cowboys' weak points. And Aaron Jones quietly, three straight games, 100 yards rushing. The Packers will be able to run the ball. And if you're running the ball and Jordan Love is dropping back and hitting receivers where they need to be hit, by the way, fun fact, he is first in EPA per play against zone coverage. He's one of the best zone coverage quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Then I think they have a chance. You know, whatever the line is, you know, I am still going to go with the Cowboys. Seven and a half. Wow. Okay. That's disrespectful. I'm going to go with the Cowboys winning this game, but the Packers will cover that line for me. I think this is a three, four point game. I don't think this is more than a touchdown game. This is not for me. This is not that. I I think it's close too. I tweeted out all of these games are interesting except for Steelers versus Bills. And everyone's pushing back like the Cowboys are going to win by 30. The Cowboys are going to smoke them out. I don't think so. Like what you laid out schematically makes a lot of sense, but also just mindset wise, like all of the pressure on the world is on the Cowboys. All of the pressure, Dak Prescott, MVP conversations through 15 weeks, Mike McCarthy, maybe on the hot seat, maybe not. And the Packers are kind of like, they're just happy to be here, right? Like, of course, the goal is always to make the playoffs. But the fact that Jordan Love has played this well and you're in the playoffs the first year of the Jordan Love era, that's a huge W. So they're kind of playing with nothing to lose. And they're really hot, you know, coming into this game against the Bears. You mentioned how it was 17 to nine, but it felt like, you know, it was a blowout. The two games before they say they scored 33 points in both of those games. And this game against the Bears, they had 400 yards of offense. The Bears had less than 200. So they only scored 17. They had a couple. Jordan Love had a turnover. Uh, they had one where they they mismanaged the clock in uh, at the end of the first half. Um, but Love in his last four games, 1,075 passing yards, nine touchdowns, zero picks, quarterback rating well over 100. And he's taken on average just one sack per game. He's being incredibly careful with the ball, no turnovers. He's not holding on the ball too long, not getting sacked. And we is holding on to the ball. 
we saw plays, especially in that Minnesota game, that he was able to make some jaw-dropping throws with defenders in his face. Um, but then you also have this other part of the offense that really hasn't been there throughout the season, and that's the run game. Three weeks in a row, 162, 177, and 124 yards rushing, which is three of the top five highest totals on the season. And we know that we saw in that Buffalo Bills game, the number one weakness for the Cowboys is the run game. If you're going to be able to run the ball and Jordan Love is playing as effectively as he has been over this last month, the Packers really have a shot here. Now, the big, you know, asterisk here is what Packers defense is going to show up. You know, uh, they did limit Justin Fields to just nine points. Justin Fields has been up and down, but overall, the Bears have shown to be able to put up points. Um, they were able to shut down Minnesota. We've seen Nick Mullins have some really good games. But then we saw the Panthers put a 30 ball on them, too. So the the swings for that defense can go really both ways. This Dallas offense, especially at home, I have a hard time thinking they're going to be able to slow them down. But I agree with you, Joel. I think this is a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. That was beautifully said, Mr. Dells. God, Rivia. Ah, man. You know, I think Dallas is it's – it's a tale of two halves with Dallas. You know, I think Dallas – because they get home field advantage, you know, we give them the benefit of the doubt because they're one of the best home teams in the league. I believe they went undefeated at home in the regular season. So since last year, they've been undefeated. Yeah, you can you can get they're, they're like I can see this being a close game, but I could genuinely see Dallas handling business. You know, it just it really just depends on what Dallas team you get. You because you uh Dallas, you mentioned it. All the pressures on Dallas. There is damn near little to no pressure on Green Bay. You know, this is their quarterback's first real year starting. You know, this is the youngest team in NFL history in the playoffs. So that's zero experience, you know, little to no pressure. Just want to get your feet wet. For Dallas, you know, you're pretty much labeled this contender in the NFC. You've got the big bosses at, uh, in San Fran, but you you have to win this game. Like, this is a game, a must-win game. So all the pressure is on Dallas to either fumble in the, in the moment or, you know, rise to the occasion. But I think, you know, Jordan Love, he was moving the shit out of me. He, you know, he played really well. I like the fact that he's poised with the ball. I like his arm talent for sure. You know, the way he can make some throws that, you know, only a few quarterbacks in this league can make. You know, he's got a really nice arm. I see your boy over there. He getting real oozy and horny up there, smiling when you talk about Jordan Love. Anytime you say something good, it's the yeah, smile but, um, bigger. Gr Green Bay and Dallas, man, that's, that's just a tough man. Because you mentioned – if you can run the ball on Dallas – you can win that game. But at the same time, you know, Dallas at home, they're just a different beast. And if Green Bay cannot get the running game going, because I don't think Green Bay is going to be able to stop Dallas's offense at home in that in that building. So they're going to have to keep pace. And if that turns into a shootout, you can see some upsets for sure. If it turns into a shootout, that's where you should favor the Dallas Cowboys. And that's not a slight to the Packers. It's the idea that we've seen Brandon Cooks have the most touchdowns I think that he's had since 2019, if I'm not mistaken. On top of it, C.D. Lamb just put up video game numbers this season, has entered top four in some people's top three wide receiver conversations Tony Pollard has started to find it recently. And on top of it, Jake Ferguson is having a breakout year at the tight end position. The Dallas Cowboys definitely should be favored, but definitely want to give my respect to Jordan Love and LaFleur. Jordan Love in year one has come out here and lit the world on fire early on. Did not look the best. Wasn't playing consistent football. That was his issue. First half wasn't great. Second half, he would turn it on. But then there was a, a switch that kind of flipped against the Chiefs. 
and we started to see the ascension of Jordan Love. And ever since, he's been awesome. You mentioned it. He's only had one turnover to to what? 11? 11 touchdowns? touchdowns. Eight, 18, which is even crazier. Uh, I, we've seen his accuracy become better and better as the season has progressed as well. Some throws that we saw today and, and, and windows. Uh, I'm blanking on who it was to exactly. Uh, but the one which... that it ended up, but it ended up being incomplete. Uh, where the receiver was adamant. I caught it, I caught it, I caught it, but then it ended up being world. There it is uh, on Melton, and then there it is where that ended up being complete, but that was an elite-level throw. So I have to give credit to the Packers for for being able to to make the playoffs a year after moving on from the Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur, who there was allegations early on in the season whether he was an Aaron Rodgers merchant, and as the season progressed, not only did Jordan Love get stronger, but so did the floor. We saw Jaden Reed also, who I want to give some love to, have himself a nice breakout rookie season. And as the season's gone on, we've seen Aaron Jones get healthier and healthier. This is going to be the major key for them versus the Dallas Cowboys because, like we all know, Dallas's run defense is what is the most vulnerable about their defense. But regardless, I think it'll be a fun game to watch hoping for for those in support of Jordan Love that he has a solid game. He should because he's been playing some good ball. But at the same time, I think Dallas simply is just a little bit uh, – they're the Packers are a little bit overmatched in this situation. You know, um, I mentioned that I think Jordan Love has done more with less than any quarterback this year. I still want to give my respects to these receivers because Jaden Reed is a star. It reminds me a lot of Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb in that dynamic. And also, I just want to mention, you know, Jordan Love first year as a starter made the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers didn't even do that with Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Ryan Grant, Jordy Nelson. He truly had a special first year as a starter. And then, I mean, this is my this has been my guy, Dontavian Wicks. I mean, Dontavian Wicks, I think, is a star. And, and that's really why, you know, Christian Watson is hurt and it affects their offense. It does. But watching... I've been feeling like when they had Jaden Reed and Wicks out there, they have been more impactful than when they've just had Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs out there. Because coming into the season, Watson and Dobbs were one and two. As, as each week goes by, I'm looking at Reed, I'm looking at Wicks, and I'm like, yo, these look like the best two Packers receivers. And Dontavian Wicks is, is really, really good. He is. Is Dontavian you know Wicks better playing? than Christian Watson? <sighs> I'm going to say yeah. Watson man. has to stay on the oh, field. Lord. Dontavian Wicks is awesome. Dontavian Wicks is a play. Is Watson playing next week? Is there any chance? Has he been practicing? I don't know. He didn't play this week, and he didn't practice much either. And I'm not sure if they've just been saving Christian Watson, but those hamstring issues have been have been serious. But I mean, listen, all you guys said some some great things. The Cowboys are the better team. You know, they should win. That's why they're they're the favorite. And Dak is playing like an MVP. So, you know, he's had that type of season this year. So Watson? I think they should win, Sorry. but who do you want to win more? Well, the Cowboys. I think they have more of a chance to. No, 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 they have more. No, no, they have more no, no, no. to lose. Who Who do you want in your heart to win more? I didn't ask who do you think. Who do you want to win more? I don't mind. I'm not a fan of either of these teams, Riv. You're a liar. I'm not a fan. You want Storm Love to put up 303 touchdowns and the Cowboys win. Uh, so you're not a Packers that's, fan. That's what it. That's what it is. No, I'm a Jordan Love fan. I thought you were. I thought you became an honorary Packers fan. Jess's stepdad's a Packers fan. That doesn't mean I'm going to be a Packers fan. I'm only a fan of one NFL team. That's the Jets. You told but me, but I have players. Twitter. 
across I have fans across the I have players across the league that I root for. I root uh, for Jordan Love and I've been weighing on his moment for three years now. So because of that, I, I'm gonna continue to root for Jordan Love. So you just got, you got I, a lot of guys on Green Bay. That's am I happy for the Packers success? Yes. As someone who roots for players himself, uh, me as well, uh, you have to understand where he's coming from. No, you he just has bulls. a lot of players on Green Bay. That's why I ask. You might like as well just be honest. He does have a ton. Wicks and, and Jordan Love. Yeah. Terrence and Valentine. Jaden Reed. You're a Jaden Reed guy. Oh, yeah. Rashawn Gary. I mean, you, you like Rashawn Gary. You're definitely you high watched, Christian Watson, too, out of the draft. Yeah, when you, watch the, when you watch these teams so much, you're going to become fans of some of the players on it. I'm, I'm fans of a lot of players on certain teams across the league. Okay, okay. Just, just one dash. You know what I'm saying? But to answer your question... I'm fine if either of them win, man. It, it, I don't. I don't really care. Like if if either of them win, I'm fine. I'm sleeping. In, sleep, I'm going to sleep the same way. So if Dallas flames out in the first round, you're you're fine. I'm going to. You got to root for Dallas. Way. I'll be honest. Yeah, you're I'm going to sleep the same way. If Dallas way. loses in the first round, bro, it's nasty. It's oh, so it'll nasty. be it'll it's... be embarrassing, but it will be Jordan Love's coming out party, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but if the <laughs> Cowboys the way, uh... win, let's go. Because if the Cowboys win. You know, that path to San Fran is looking much easier. So, you know, they yeah, can maybe get some place. You have to play San Fran. Is you got to play San Fran the regardless. There, but like, yeah. If the Cowboys get to the NFC Championship, it's a W. That's all they oh, need. Yeah, you're saying, like, is it, they're not going to win, but it's a W for the Cowboys. And they got a punch of chance. I'll give them a punch of chance. chance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll give them a punch of chance. No, Ryan Garcia game, versus Tank Davis. That's what I'm, I'm Ryan you know, never had a chance. <laughs> He had a puncher's chance. Ryan at some never point. had a chance. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Get a different one. Ryan never had a chance. Oh, man. So we're going to rank these wild card matchups that we're most excited to see. So we have three in the NFC, the Rams at Lions, Packers at Cowboys, Bucks at Eagles, three in the AFC, Browns at Texans, Dolphins at Chiefs, and Steelers at Bills. Ranking three to one, which ones are you most excited to see combined? Let me pull up. First one, I'm going to go with Kansas City and Miami. That's two of the best teams in, in the Is AFC. Is that your number going three? At it. Oh, or you know going one I, to three? I, I, I was just giving good games. I, if we're going to go and rank, I apologize. I'll go three. I'm going to go Green Bay and Dallas as my number three. Number two, I'm going to go with Miami and Kansas City. And number one, the return of going back home. The script couldn't be better if you rid it yourself. The Lions versus the Rams in the first round. That's going to be a movie game, and I'm definitely excited to watch that one the most. I'll go. I have a oh, oh, go ahead. Bro. All right. I got for three, I got Kansas City and Miami. Two, I'm going to go Dallas and Green Bay. And then one, I'll go Detroit and the Rams. Okay. Uh, at three, I have Cowboys Packers. Two, I would have Rams, Lions, but number one, Dolphins, Chiefs is for me. The three best wild card matches I'm looking forward to. Number three, the Packers at Cowboys. I think that's going to be a much closer game than people expect. The Packers have a chance in that one, but I think the Cowboys come away with it. Number two, the Dolphins at Chiefs. I think there's a lot on the line for the Dolphins to uh, having to overcome a high pressure situation and the Chiefs having to prove that they are not fraudulent and they can make a run this year. And number one, unanimous across the board, it got to be the Rams at Lions. What's Matthew Stafford versus his former team. <laughs> what a what a dagger it would be. 
if Joel, my uh, internet was dog shit. Who was your one? Uh, Chiefs Dolphins. Okay, I respect that. Oh, sorry, Dell. Sorry, Dell. You know the drink got me tipsy right now. I ain't really here. <laughs> but uh, number one, yeah. Listen, I think I'm actually curious to now know why number one is not Rams and Lions for you, Dells, because it seems like the game that can be the most entertaining. It got the most storyline value. I feel like for pick a side, Dolphins Chiefs, like that's the one we're all it's watching. It's number one. Be- it's number one. Because yeah, it's number it's, one. It's, it's, I'm trying to minimize it so it doesn't mean that much. <laughs> is Tua going to show up? If Tua doesn't show up, what does this offseason look like? If Tua beats Mahomes, what does Drew Battis say when he comes up on here? And after all the glazing we do to Patrick Mahomes, that's why That's why it's number one for me. Yeah, I'm going to oh, fucking man. tweak out. So for all you guys that are watching live right now, we have 566 viewers. For one, make sure you guys like the video, like the full episode. Um, next episode will be Wednesday, so we're taking Monday and Tuesday off because we gave you this masterclass of a one-hour, 44-hour episode after all the games that finished in Week 18. And next week, we will be going live as well, either Maybe after the Saturday or Sunday. Maybe. Maybe we can. Either after Saturday or Sunday after the playoff games finish. Maybe after both, we'll go live and do an episode as well. Uh, for you guys. So thank you guys for watching. You guys can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pickasaw Podcast, on Twitter at Pickasaw Pod, and make sure to download Prize Picks. Use code yes, PAS for a 100% deposit match up to $100. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.